You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all, all on his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was trying to say to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not in this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. You may be seated. Uh, Today, our missionary is none other than Hope Coffee that we will be praying for. So if you will bow your heads with me, we will pray. Heavenly Father, I am just so humbled and thankful for the people who cry out, here I am, God, send me. And when you send them, they go. And they spread your word and they give people their needs like you have called us to do. And they preach people your word like you have called us to do. And so I'm thankful for Hope Coffee and the entire organization. I'm thankful for those who are handing out Bibles, for those who are preaching the gospel, for those who are reaching out to the farmers and to the people in the cities and the towns who have never heard of your name and giving you the glory. I'm thankful for churches like Meadowbrook who donate and give Hope Coffee so that they may continue to spread through Honduras, through Mexico, through Guatemala, and all around the world, just as you've called us. So God, I pray that you lay your hands down upon the organization, lay your hands down upon the missionaries. Pray for the pa- I pray for the pastors, uh, for those out in the fields, God, and I pray for this church that we may continue to be people who serve you and serve those who serve you. So I'm thankful for who you are, God. I'm thankful for what you've done for us and what you continue to do, and I pray that you watch over us today, God. In your name, amen. Good morning. How is everybody? Good, awesome. Oh, awesome. It's awesome, you're awesome. All right, there is a lot of ground to cover, and 
not enough time to do it. But before I get started, uh, we, uh, so we're having our Christmas Eve service, which will be on Christmas Eve. We're having three services. Because uh, seating is limited and we don't really want to turn anybody away, uh, we have 80 seats, I believe it's some, something like 80 seats per service. We're going to have three Christmas Eve services that you can register to attend. That's the only way we know how to, to manage the seating. Um, the first service, which will be at 3.30 p.m., will be a mask mandatory service. Our first service that we're doing now with you know, mask, required masks, that's going really well. We're in our second, second week doing that. That allows some, in our, uh, some of the older folks in our church uh, family to be able to come and, and be a part of that. So that's what we're doing. So we don't want to confuse a whole lot of people. So first service will be mask mandatory. The other two services come however you want to come. You can wear a um, mask. You can wear a goofy mask. We want you to come. You can wear a weird sweater. You can do whatever you want, just, but we, we want you to come. So there's that. All right. I need to get started here. So uh, we've done, started this sermon series, this, this Christmas sermon series on... You know, just what does it mean for the son to be given? Like, what, what, what does that mean? What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for the world that the son of God was given? So we're kind of unpacking Isaiah chapter 9. Last week we looked at the lamb, you know, that the, the, unto us the lamb of God who takes away the sin that was given. And this week we're going to look at, you know, the shepherd. What does that mean? Now, in thinking about that in light of, all the craziness in, in, in our world. Uh, I read a statistic uh, earlier this week where one-third, not, I'm not surprised by this, but one-third of all Americans have a great to a good deal of trust in the political competence of their fellow citizens. What that means is over 60% of Americans think their neighbors don't know squat when it comes to uh, politics, right? And, and some of you in here are like, yep, my neighbor doesn't know anything. Um, so we are, what, what, it's not a sermon about politics as, or, or what's going on. It's just, we are a divided nation, right? Uh, we're just, we're divided. Uh, in 1997, that per, those percentages were flip-flopped. So 64% of Americans thought, believed that their neighbors, their fellow citizens were politically competent when it came to voting and deciding on political matters. We have um, gone so far in the wrong direction. Uh, and it's not just pol politics that divide us. Like, we are, as a society, as a culture, divided when it comes to our own bodies. Like, we are conflicted with our own selves, right? So, uh, I don't know if you heard of Ellen Page. Uh, she's a, uh, an actress, Academy Award-winning actress, uh, who said on her Twitter account, because that's how all important people let the world know important stuff, is through their Twitter uh, feed. I'm anyway, uh, so <laughs> this is what she said. Hi, friends. I want to share with you that I am trans. My pronouns are he, they, and my name is Elliot. I feel lucky to be writing this to be here, to have arrived at this place in my life. I feel overwhelming gratitude for the incredible people who have supported me along this journey. I can't begin to express how remarkable it feels to finally love who I am enough to, listen, enough to pursue my authentic self. Now, in a, uh, an online article, 
I don't know what you call it, um, ma online magazine, I don't know, IndieWire reported on Page's Instagram post and titled it, Elliot Page coming out as a historic moment for trans masculinity, or no, masculine visibility. Elliot Page coming out as a historic moment for trans masculine visibility. Now, my, my message is not on the LGBT, LGBTQ plus community. I actually addressed some of that last February and March before uh, the COVID weirdness happened. But um, well, all I want to say is that we are divided. And the division uh, is not just you know, neighbor versus neighbor. It's even a, just kind of who am I as a human being? And what does that mean? Uh, in a survey conducted by Harris Poll on behalf of American Osteopathic Association, 53% of American adults would support their teenage child's request to transition to another gender. Um, the point I'm making is simply this. The question I want to ask is what voice are you listening to? And there are a lot of voices in our culture, in our society. What voice are you listening to? In his book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, which is an excellent book, I highly recommend it, I'm reading it right now, by Carl Truman, uh, he started the book off with saying, basically making a statement. He said, how is it that in such a short time, historically speaking, in such a short time, uh, maybe 30 years ago, if you heard the statement, I am a, uh, I'm a man trapped in a woman's body or I am a woman trapped in a man's body, how have we gone from that being something you know, odd or not, you, know, you, you just wouldn't say that publicly, to where it is now a cultural norm and, you're, and it's championed? How, how have we come to that point philosophically uh, and psychologically to where that, that's a thing now? And, and so I'm not going to tell you what he says in the book in terms of answering the question. All I want to say is this, that in the church we have a tendency to wish for the better days. Like, you know, I want to go back to the good old days, right? Or even, even as a society, I just wish we can go back to the good old days. Truman said this, and this, is how, and this will guide us right into John chapter 10. He said this in his book, Every age had its darkness and its dangers. The task of the Christian is not to whine about the moment in which he or she lives, but to understand its problems and to respond appropriately to them. I'm like, and when I read an author and he says, stop whining, like, yeah, I, he's got my attention. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm listening. I respond well to, to that. Uh, maybe not everybody, but I do. Think about Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us a, a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called, he's given four titles, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Like the son that was given is given four titles in, the, in, in Isaiah chapter 9. He is the wonderful counselor. And we know who that son is. He's Jesus. So Jesus as the wonderful counselor 
uh, contains a a wisdom that supersedes the wisdom of the the ages and all the sages of our day and age combined. His wisdom supersedes that, okay? Uh, As the mighty God, his reign as king will have no limits and it will be eternal. That is the only kingdom that will last forever is the kingdom of God. And as the everlasting father, which is a title for or a reference to a king uh, being benevolent, that he is a benevolent king who genuinely cares for his people and wants what's best for them. And what's best for them is him. (laughs) Unlike any other politician out there or king. (laughs) Jesus is the only king that's good for you, right? And as the prince of peace, Jesus will rule and reign as king perfectly. You know, this is everything that we want in a king or a president, you know, I, I think you're prob- I'm probably in good company when I say I cringe every November when I listen to all the promises of every side of what they're going to do and what they're going to bring, which many of them are just empty promises, but not with the King of Kings. You know, when God gave his son on that first Christmas, he not only gave the lamb who takes away the sin of the world, But he also gave us the good shepherd. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. Now, when he said in John chapter 10 that I'm the good shepherd, everybody around him would have immediately thought of a certain psalm, the 23rd psalm. How many of you are familiar with the, you know, if you've been to a funeral, you've most likely heard the 23rd psalm, right? Uh, And it begins with this. Let's read it together. It begins with these words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Everyone around Jesus and his disciples immediately would have thought of the 23rd psalm. And Jesus is saying, look, I am a good shepherd. And that person David was writing about, that was talking about, that sang about, I'm him. I'm him. The disciples would have thought, well, isn't that talking about God being the good shepherd? Yes. That's who I am. And uh, so I'm going to just unpack this. There are two things I just want you to get. One is that Jesus is the good shepherd who cares for his sheep. I just want to unpack that, spend most of our time talking about that, and then, and then the application piece really is just Jesus' sheep follow him because they know his voice. Um, they know his voice. So in chapter 9 of John, there's this blind guy. He was born blind. Uh, everybody knew he was blind. Jesus walked by him. He uh, stooped down. He uh, spit in some dirt, made mud, rubbed the guy's eyes, kind of sounds gross, and he said, now go wash out your eyes. He did that, and he could see, like he was able to see. I'm, I'm not entirely sure why all, you know, why the mud, because Jesus didn't, he didn't need mud, he, he healed people by touching them, but um, he did it. And uh, maybe it was so that the religious leaders would notice. So he, he, he did it, and, and he was able to see, and everybody who knew him asked how, how is it that you could see? And he said, well, this guy, you know, Jesus, he, he made mud with his spit, and he rubbed my eyes with it and said, wash them out, and boom, I can see. And then they brought him to the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and the Pharisees asked him the same question. How is it, I mean, were you blind? Are you really blind? He's like, yes, I'm really blind. Well, let's call your parents in. Parents, 
Was he blind? Like, well, he's right here. Why don't you ask him yourself? Because mom and dad were scared. And, and so there's this dialogue. I encourage you to read it. It's really interesting. There's this dialogue between uh, the, the blind guy and the Pharisees, and it gets heated, and, and they're having this conversation in, in, in church. It would be synagogue. And, um, and finally, the, the, the guy says, look, I, all I know is I was blind, and Jesus healed me, and now I see. And the religious leaders you know, kicked him out of church. They said, you're out of here. And then Jesus encountered the guy in chapter 9, verse 39, and this is what he said. And this is, kind of, this is the context of chapter 10. He said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. And then he goes into chapter 10. He says, look, I'm the good shepherd. He says, I am the door verse 9 of chapter 10. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in, and out, go in and out and find pasture. And what he's saying there is he's saying, look, it, it, I am the only way that you can have life, the kind of life that you were made for, the kind of life that you were born for, the kind of life that you were designed for, a relationship with the God of all creation. The only way you can find that is in me and through me. Everybody else is a thief who claims that they can do the same thing. And, and the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come to, that they may have life and have it abundantly. Here's what's happening in our culture. There's a lot of thievery that's happening, right? There's a, there's a lot of, you know, the wisdom of our age is saying, if you do this, you'll find life. If you, if you, if you pick this political candidate, you'll find life. If, if you just, you know, look at life this way, you'll, you'll find life. And, and the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Like, like the idea that I can, I can create myself in my own image based on how I feel, regardless of how I am born, is a lie. It will not lead to life. But there's so many other lies um, out there. I mean, some of, the, some of the other lies that are more obvious, like, you know, you can have joy if you kill yourself. <laughs> That's what Pascal said. Blaise Pascal said, all men seek happiness, even those who hang themselves. That's a lie. That's a lie. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. He said, I am the good shepherd. And this is how, this is how I've come, that people may have life and have it more abundantly. In verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's how they'll have life. I'm going, I was born to die. That's the message of Christmas. Jesus was born of a virgin, lived the life that we can never live, a perfect life, in obedience to the law of God, and he died. But he didn't stay dead. He rose on the third day. But he went to a cross for your sins and for my sins. Eventually, the religious leaders got what they wanted, and they handed Jesus over to Pilate. They were able to, to drum up charges against Jesus, and they, they said Jesus claimed to be a king, to be a king over, over Caesar. I, I can just imagine, because there, no, there was no love relationship between Pilate and the Hebrew uh, people, especially the religious leaders. I, I could see Pilate just rolling his eyes. Really? You're going to play that card? Okay. Um, so, they, so they brought Jesus before Pilate, and Pilate questioned him and asked him, is it true that, you're, that you say you're a king? And Jesus said this in John chapter 18. He said, verse 37, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. 
If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Listen, like church, we need to hear that. We need to hear that. Like, like if, we, if, you're, if Jesus is your good shepherd, if he is your Messiah, if he is your Savior, if he is your Lord, you know what that means? He is also your king. And if he's your king, his kingdom is your kingdom. America, you're, you're a citizen of second. And so Jesus said, look, my kingdom is not of this world. And to which Pilate was thinking, okay, this guy's definitely crazy and does not deserve to be crucified. Um, and, and so you know, Pilate really worked to try to get Jesus off the hook. He, he really looked for ways to, to, to get Jesus not crucified. And Jesus went on to say, for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. And then he said, Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. My sheep hear my voice, and they just don't listen. They just don't hear it. They listen. The idea of listening here is not like what you do, you know, for me. I wasn't the greatest student in high school. Um, it was very much like the Charlie Brown cartoons. You know, wah, 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 Like, that's, that's what I heard. And, and uh, I barely passed. Uh, I barely got out of high school. Um, Jesus is saying, no, listen, it means to respond and to follow. That's what he means. And so um, Pilate, you know, did everything that he thought he could do. And uh, the, he, he had Jesus, you know, flogged, which is... A horrible form of punishment. It was, you had soldiers who were trained in the art of flogging, and uh, it was a cat of nine tails. Uh, and at the end of each of those, uh, of each of those strands of that whip, uh, was laced in it, uh, sometimes bone, metal, sometimes glass, and it was designed to literally rip the flesh and muscle from your bones. And it was called the halfway death because not everybody survived. Um, Jesus survived it, and he was forced to carry his cross. But if you're, if you're wondering, why were the other guys able to carry the cross and Jesus had to have help? That's why. <laughs> he was flogged. And uh, so he was flogged, and then Pilate presented him before the crowds and said, so what do you want me to do with this man? And uh, you know the story. They chose Jesus to be crucified. One of the questions Pilate asked Jesus before he handed him over to be crucified is this. He said, do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? To which Jesus responded, you would have no authority over me at, at all unless it had been given to you from above. Like, we need to hear that, church, especially, especially as Americans. It's not so much an issue in other countries, especially countries where persecution is real. Um, we need to hear that. Here's what we need to hear. God never operates on a plan B. It, he always operates on plan A. There are no plan Bs with God. And Jesus is telling Pilate, the only reason, the only reason you are in the place that you are in is because you are a pawn in the hands of the Creator. That's why. 
And, and every king before you, Pilate, and every ruler you know, after you is the same. Is the same. Like, like whoever is our president, and it's looking like Joe Biden is our president. Do you know why he's our president? Not because our, our voting system is jacked up. It's because there is a God who's on the throne. He has a plan A, and whoever is reigning and ruling in America is the person he put there. Um, like David, this is in my notes. i got to stay on my notes, but I'll, I'll say this. King David, like before he was king, there was a, like Saul was a mess. Like he was an emotional mess. Psychologically, I think he was just crazy. Like he was a mess. And you know what he tried to do? He tried to kill David after God through his prophets said, David is the next in line. He's going to be king. Saul, your kingdom's going to be stripped from you. David is going to be the king. Like Saul saw enough about God moving that he should have known better. But you know what he tried to do? He tried to kill David. Do you want to know how many times David said horrible, terrible, nasty things about the king? Not once. <laughs> a lesson that we need to learn. Just putting on a plug in here, right? Whoever's our president, instead of whining, we need to be praying for him. Pray for repentance. <laughs> Pray for, I mean, I got as much anxiety as you do about what's going on. But um, there are no plan Bs with God. And Jesus said, Pilate, you, don't have the, you would ha have the authority that you have had it not been given to you from above. And, and Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 17, he said, look, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Funny how the disciples never heard the take it up again thing. Like they always heard about him dying, but like not, not the resurrection piece. They were surprised when he rose from the grave, um, even though Jesus over and over again said, I'm going to conquer death. He said, for this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. Like, nobody takes my life, not even the religious leaders. The reason why... I'm being handed over to you, Pilate, is because I've decided so. And the reason why I'm going to be crucified is because that's why I was born. And I will defeat death. And I will rise on the third day. Um, every empire and superpower and the emperors and the kings who served under them have fought and worked to have an enduring reign. We have a sitting president who's... <laughs> working to try to get four more years, right? This is not anything new. Every, every person has, has, has tried for the same thing. But here's the question we, need to, we should ask ourselves and, and that I think serve to remind us of what really matters. Where's Babylon today? One of the greatest empires in human civilization. Where is Babylon? The history books. That's where Babylon is can make a case for Iraq and Iran, but where are they at in the whole spectrum of world uh, superpowers? And then where, where's Greece? Alexander the Great, what happened to him? Food for worms and in hell. I mean, like that's, how about, how about Rome? What about Rome? Lasted a long time. You know what they are? Filler for the history books. A place where America will one day be. 
But there is, a, there, there is an institution and, and, and a movement that has endured all those things. It's the kingdom of God. And the church is a part of the kingdom of God. Like the church has endured empires and survived, has endured tyrants and survived, and, 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 and so much worse, and survived. Not because of any of the leaders in the church, but because is listening to. When I say church, I mean us. My, own, my, my, you know, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me, Jesus said. They follow me. You know, Isaiah 40, we looked at, this la- we looked at Isaiah 40 last week. We didn't look at this verse, but this, this is what it says. Behold, if you think what I said about America is offensive, well, take it up with Isaiah. Take it up with God. Behold, the nations are like a drop in a, from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. <laughs> That's America. We're, we're lumped in there. Um, same thing with China, North Korea, South Korea, you name it. They're all there. There's only one kingdom that will last forever. I, I loved Ronald Reagan. Like, I, I think, I really do think, and you might disagree, but I think he was probably one of the better presidents that we have had in our country. Um, and, uh, and I just, I, in fact, as a kid, I felt a sense of loss when, when I realized he was not going to be president anymore because he was, like, there for eight years. That's a big chunk of my childhood. And... Um, but he said something was not true. He said that America was a shining city on a hill. That is false. I, check the, I checked the fact checker. It's the Bible. <laughs> said, eh, wrong. <laughs> We're not a light on a hill. <laughs> Jesus, the, the fact checker of all fact checkers, said this. Let's, let's read this together. Ready? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the all, all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Right? Um, we are. We're the light on a hill. We're the city on a hill. Not because of anything that we're able to do, but because of the voice we're listening to. Who, whose voice are you listening to? To your emotions? Are they telling you what you should be or what you shouldn't be? Your, your, your political affiliation? Losing sleep over that lately? Like, like who, whose voice are you listening to? Or is it Jesus? Which leads me to what happened last second service. Uh, I got four minutes to do my rest of my sermon. So, and I do value my life, and there are nursery workers, so second service, I could get away with it. I'm going to try to get away with it and do it at the same time. All right, so Jesus' sheep follow him because they know his voice. They, they know his voice. Uh, when, the, when, when the angel appeared to the shepherds, what was it that the angel said about this this human being whose God was born. What did, what did they say about him? Well, they said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for 
all the people, right? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Do they stop? Did they stop there? No, they continued. Who is Christ the Lord? I had a really cool question earlier this week by one of our kids whose family is a part of our Meadowbrook Church family. Um, I think he's probably like eight or nine. I, well, I, I don't know. I better not say that. He might be, family might be watching and he might be older. But he said to me, he came up to me and he asked me, Pastor Keith, is Jesus' last name Christ? I'm like, you know what? That's an awesome question. That is a really, really good question. No, that's actually his title. Uh, they didn't have last names like we, we have them here. They would refer to Jesus as Jesus of Nazareth. That would pretty much identify who Jesus was. Or Jesus, the son of the carpenter. Or Jesus, Mary's son. Uh, that's how they identified him. But Christ is his title. Do you know what Christ means? Like, you know what Savior means, right? But do you know what Christ means? Lord. Lord. That means, you know what that means? You're not it. You're not Lord. Somehow in our culture, um, we bought into the, the lie that, 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 that our emotions and, and how we feel dictate who we are. And, and here's the rub. Here's the rub. That kind of thinking has found its way into the church. That kind of thinking has found its way into the church. And we have allowed our emotions to sit on the throne that only Jesus uh, said he will sit on. He, like, he shares his throne with no one. Not your emotions, not a president, not a political party. Like Jesus is not Republican, and he's not Democrat either, and he's not independent. He's the king. He, he's a monarch, like, uh, and, and, and nobody will be able to usurp his kingship. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. And he belongs in that place in our lives. He demands that place in our lives. And so, like, there are a number of uh, things that Jesus said of his sheep. There's a certain theme here. The sheep hear his voice in verse 3, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they, what? Know his voice. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own, what? Know me. In verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. Like, Jesus is all those things. Jesus leads his sheep. His sheep follow his voice. His sheep know him. His sheep listen to his voice. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. He is the good shepherd of the 23rd Psalm. And... uh, and he's the shepherd that we want. And because he leads me to the place of life and thriving, only Jesus can make me lie down in green pastures. Only Jesus leads me beside still waters. Only Jesus restores my soul. Only Jesus leads me to the paths of righteousness for his namesake. You know, no president, no politician can do that for you. Your sexual preference cannot do that for you. Your appetites cannot do that for you. Your anatomy can't do that for you. What the culture tells you is brave or will make you happy cannot do what only Jesus can do. He is the good shepherd, period. Everyone else is a thief. You know, it's listening to the thief of thieves, right? Uh, The devil, 
the prince of the power of the air, the, the, the spirit of this age, who, whose only desire for you is to rob you, to, 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 to kill you, and to destroy you. And when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's Jesus' rod and staff who com- that comforts me. Look at Psalm 23. Let's read this together. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, stop for a second. What is the valley of the shadow of death? Everything that's opposite of life. <laughs> COVID-19, you can throw that in there. Cancer, throw that in there. The political mess we find ourselves in, throw that in there. Rioting, you can throw that. You can throw anything in there that's the opposite of life, the opposite of thriving. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, let's continue. I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I should dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. That's what lasts forever. That's what lasts forever. Not your, the nation we find ourselves in. It's his kingdom. It's his kingdom. And and the only voice, and here I'm I'm wrapping this up, and the nursery workers are going to shoot me, but it's okay. Um, They started a little late because I was late to the other service. Um, Here's here's the thing. The only voice, the only voice that should have a shaping impact upon your life that is eternal is the voice of Jesus. Um, That's what matters. That's where thriving is found. That's where life is found. In Jesus. Jesus is the standard for life. He is the standard by which every decision you make ought to be measured, not your feelings. And I'm not endorsing cheesy, dorky little bracelets that ask you what would Jesus do. I, I, or, or you know how I feel about bumper stickers. But like, like, like what would Jesus do? And the only, and the only way you're going to know, the only way you're going to know uh, what his voice is saying is if you're listening. If you're listening. I mean, I, I get this all the time. I want you to... Uh, if, and I don't want you to, this is what I don't want you to hear. I don't want you to hear if you have come from another church family and you're just looking for, you know, something different. I don't want you to hear you're not welcome here. I want you, I'm glad you're here. It's awesome. But if you ever say, I left because I wasn't being fed, or if I hear you say to me, I'm leaving Meadowbrook because I'm not being fed, this is the picture I get in my brain. You ready? This invalid, unable to move his arms or legs, drool coming down from their mouth and somebody having to spoon-feed them oatmeal. That's, that's the picture I have in my head. And, in a, and, and if you came from a church and you say you weren't being fed, or you tell me that, I, especially if you came from a church, I, my guess is you're probably going to be gone in a couple years. Um, because your spiritual growth is not dependent on, on, on a dude <laughs> or, or a woman. It's dependent on Jesus and, and what's in this book and the spirit that God has put in you to grow you and to mold you and to shape you. I'm just part of the church. Like I, I'm, I'm just part of you. Like I, I'm playing out my part. 
and, uh, and, and so the voice that should be shaping you is not your feelings that are fleeting, fickle, or sometimes false. It is, it's the voice of Jesus. That's what should be shaping you and shaping me as we follow him. In an age full of div- his kingdom is forever, and, and, and we're a part of that. In an age full of divisions over politics, gender, what it means to be a human being, pandemic, we, here's the encouraging piece, ready? We were made for this. You, you listening? You were not made to hide in the shadows. You were not made for fear. And those watching the live stream, I'm talking to you too. You, you were made for this. To be the light in Cheyenne. Like, listen, suicide rates are up. Not just in, in, in Wyoming, but all over our nation. I said last week, J- Japan, their deaths by suicide are higher than their deaths by COVID. Like, do you know what that's telling us? It's telling us that we need to stop whining about stuff and start showing people what it means to live in light of the good shepherd whose voice we're listening to. What the world needs is the one institution and movement that has weathered the storm of tyrants, empires, extreme hatred and prejudice, pandemics, not because of individuals or leaders, but because of the one who's speaking to us, the good shepherd, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. Um, we were made for this. And I, you hear me say this, if you've been a part of Meadowbrook since I've been here for a little over two years, you've heard me say this over and over again. Maybe you're tired of me hearing, tired of me saying it, but it's so true. God has called you to the neighborhood, to the work, and to the family that you find yourself. That is your mission. That is who God has called you to. You are a light where God has placed you. And so live out the mission that God has called you to. Embrace it. You are the only Jesus people are going to encounter. You are his mouthpiece. And you speak on his behalf. Not on behalf of your politics or whatever. I mean, that's all good and fine. Go vote, do all that stuff. I voted. I was disappointed about a lot of things. But, but at the end of the day, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. And so are you if you're a Christian. You are a king's kid. According to the Bible, you are God's treasured possession. You are his son, you are his daughter, and nothing that happens in history will ever change that. Amen? Amen. Um, and if you are not a Christian and you're trying to figure this whole thing out and you've you got questions and you're like, I'm not sure, but it's kind of making sense, um, I want you to hear the voice of Jesus who said, come to me. Come to me, all of you who are weary and, and, and just burdened and, and you feel like you can't even breathe, like with everything going on around you. He said, come to me. And you know what he promised? I will give you rest. He said, I will give you rest. Come to me. And if that's you, I plead with you. Just The, the Bible says that you don't have to do anything other than believe and, and, and embrace who Jesus is. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. Jesus said, come to me. You, you can't even test me. I will give you rest. And uh, rest for your souls. And for the rest of us, this is not a Pastor Keith spanking the congregation. I, that's not what this is. This is, I want to encourage you. And one way to encourage you is no more whining. <laughs> Every age has had its darkness, Truman said. I needed to hear these words. And I'll end with these words like the way I started. Every age has had its darkness and its dangers. The task of the Christian is not to whine about the moment in which he or she lives, but to understand its problems and to respond appropriately to them. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for my brothers and sisters here. Thank you for Meadowbrook, our church family. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And for those who are watching on the live stream, or maybe those here who have not yet placed their faith and trust in your Son, who have not yet heeded the call of Jesus to come, to come and I will give you rest. God, I pray that they would do so before they leave here. That they would do so before they leave here. And so... I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for this church family. May we shine for you in Cheyenne and abroad. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.